Well, hello and welcome to another episode of the Music and Mindset Matters podcast. How are you today or this evening, wherever you're listening from and whatever time you're listening to? Um, I hope you've had a great week. We are, can't believe we're in the last week of November. Probably a lot of you have been saying that already, but whew, this year is zooming by. And um, if you've got little ones around you, then you're probably even more excited or maybe overwhelmed, I'm not sure, about the Christmas period coming up. Um, I don't know about you, I really like Christmas. I, I love the excitement of it. I love the, the gathering with friends and family. I love the food. Oh, the food. My gosh, just I love, you know, the, we do in our family, we do cooking special biscuits and gingerbread men and uh, mince pies and and stuff that you know my my great grandmother used to do and it's such a beautiful thing to pass down in your family or or modify it to your own um, your own situation with your own family and friends or whatever the social situation you're in. Um, I remember years ago with um, I think I was pregnant with my second child. Yeah, I was, and I was making my great grandmother's pudding Christmas pudding and it had suet in the recipe I was like oh my gosh what's suet and so I actually went down to the butcher and he sold me some suet and it was very interesting it was interesting to use interesting to taste um definitely not what I expected but interesting nonetheless and then I've made it since without the suet I just use butter instead I don't really know why I'm talking about this other than the fact that it's it's coming to my mind a lot about routines and rituals and habits and things lately. Um, I've been talking about that a lot in my podcast, um, in the blog, and also if you haven't heard already, I'm doing a workshop on it uh, at the moment. And it's really um, helped me to clarify more of my message to get out there to educators, directors, early childhood teachers about how I can help you, one of the ways I can help you, and that's through habit stacking, musical elements and mindfulness practices onto the routines that you already do. So yeah, my headspace is really at the moment very focused on that. And I think I, I really believe that this is going to uh, going to really support many educators and, and early years professionals out there because it's it's not giving you something hugely extra to do upon your millions of things that you already have to do. It's just giving you a few practical ideas um, and tools and resources to then just stack onto your routines like your nappy changing, um, you know, making sure that you're singing or at least using parentese speech while you're changing a nappy or while you're supporting someone to a toddler to, to use the toilet because that change in pitch creates safety, feelings of safety and connection. It engages the whole brain so that we're um, not so stressed about, you know, learning a new skill, if, especially for those of you who've worked with toddlers. They can get quite frustrated if they haven't got the physical skills to actually do a button or do the zip or put the shoes on, um, and especially if you're in a hurry, you know. That, so there's all these things, all these tiny little things that I'm including in the workshop just to give you that little bit of a, a different perspective to look through, a bit of a lens of mindfulness, a lens of play that, you know, these skills that we're wanting our children to develop, for example, with the self-care and the toileting, they're actually a, a wonderful learning opportunity. 
Um, it's not just a skill to develop, it's a skill where we can bring in our practices and our principles of responsiveness and um, holistic learning and you know our use of temporal space um, as a learning environment. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of getting into a lot of the, the learning framework and the curriculum aspects, but I want to be able to bring those elements to light to show that, you know, these routines that we've got are wonderful times that we can bring in elements of musical learning and mindfulness. Anyway, tickets are still available. Um, if you're listening to this and it hasn't reached Monday uh, the 27th midnight, you'll still be able to get them at the 30% off price. So make sure you jump onto that because it's it's a wonderful opportunity to get some training with me, but at a you know at a bargain price. What else could you want? Um, and the plan is for this to be available on my website uh, in the future, or you can book me into your service if you are based in Tasmania, and I can come and do this workshop for you with your educators in in service, and you don't have to go anywhere. But anyway, enough about me. I've got a great um, podcast episode for you. Um, speaking of habits and routines and rituals and things um, and mindfulness, my guest today, oh my gosh, you know when you meet people and you just hit it off instantly, you just connect, uh, you know that you share some really fundamental core values together and so therefore your conversation is really lively, it's energy, it's it's moving and flowing and um, it's a beautiful space to be in. Well, that's the conversation I'm having with Lisa Brown today. Um, Lisa, I'm just going to read a little bit of her bio. Um, Lisa Brown is a lifelong advocate for early childhood. She's a bachelor trained teacher, a qualified trainer and mentor. She's an inspiring podcast host. P.S. I was on her podcast last week. It, it's a pretty good interview as well. She is a leader of exceeding services. We're talking about early childhood services, long day care. She's a motivator to thousands and the visionary founder of Platinum Education Group. Now, all of this, you know, Lisa is, she's such a passionate person. She's so full of positive, vibrant energy. And this is, you know, this is me talking now, but I'll read a little bit more of her bio. It says, Lisa's passion for motivating leaders and educators to be the best version of themselves has resulted in her influence impacting the early childhood sector as a whole across all states and territories in Australia. So whether it's her tens of thousands of podcast listeners, the leaders she coaches, mentors, or the team she visits, Lisa's impact is always profound. And I love this part, ready? And it stays long after she has gone home to her husband and cat. I love that. She really is an inspiring human being yes but an inspiring educator trainer mentor she is on a mission like i'm on my mission she is on a mission to support directors uh, who are often feeling a bit overwhelmed with the pressure and um, you know the daily pressures that you need to to get through as part of your job but also supporting them in leadership you know as she mentions we're often you know directors of centers we're, we're trained in the teaching field we're not necessarily trained in a business sense or in leadership skills so her um, we talk through the episode about her new directors membership that is coming up um, directors academy she'll speak more about that so make sure you listen in for that but it really is coming back to the fact that she wants to make the early childhood industry a passionate thriving 
sector that because really we are supporting yes our future leaders but the the young children the the young humans that we work with you know that's the most important thing you know she calls them your your special people so it's yeah like I say it's a, it's a fascinating it's a lively conversation we really have a lot of fun we we go off in a few little segues but always come back we talk about music we talk about her being told as a child that she can't play music because she's got fat fingers isn't that awful like I mean who says that seriously back in the day okay yeah, lots of things were said lots of things were said to us and you know really unfair things but don't you think that if you were a musician anyway, like this person was a piano teacher, don't you think though that if you're a person that really loves music, then you would encourage other people to love music, you know, not tell them that, well, they can't play because of this or because of that. It's just ridiculous. I mean, look at Elton John, look at Rachmaninoff. Their fingers, I mean, Rachmaninoff's finger, his hand span was amazing. I struggled to play Rachmaninoff because I got little fingers but I make up for it in other ways. And Elton John, I mean, he's got short fingers, but he plays an amazing array. His choices as a musician, his lyrics, his melodies, his whole composition, oh, blow me away. I'm getting sidetracked again. Let's come back to Lisa Brown. I'm going to go straight into this episode because you know me, I like going off the track a little bit to chat about other things, but I really want you to... Um, to benefit from Lisa's knowledge, her passion, her expertise. So go grab yourself a drink, pop your shoes on if you're going for a walk, um, you know, make sure you're driving safely if you're listening in the car and enjoy the episode. Hello and welcome to the Music and Mindset Matters podcast. I'm your host, Christy Russell. I'm a music and mindset mentor and founder of Movers and Shakers Music. I'm also a trained early childhood teacher, piano teacher, musician, mum of two, wife and passionate Aussie entrepreneur. I'm on a mission to spread the magic and power of music and mindset to as many people as possible. Every day I tap into the power of music and mindset and every day I notice how much more focused resilient and connected I am at work and at home. You could even say I am more in tune with myself and the world around me and I want that for you too. If you're passionate about early childhood education, curious about the relationship between music, mindfulness and the human brain, then this podcast is for you. Join me each week as I discuss all things to do with music, mindfulness and why it matters so much to be advocating for this in early childhood. My goal is to inspire you with stories, research findings and a whole heap of practical tips so that you can have the confidence and skills to embed music and mindset practices into your daily routines and your early learning programs. Because when we love music, we love learning, we love life. Let's tune in. Well, hello and welcome to the Music and Mindset Matters podcast, Lisa Brown from Platinum Education Group. How are you today, Lisa? I'm so good, Christy. How are you? I'm really good. I am out in the fresh air instead of doing this podcast in my car. <laughs> Love that for you. And, you know, I think it's so nice to get back to nature. Oh, it is. It really helps us ground ourselves. And I know um, you and I have both had some little grounding the la recently with some little retreats and some, you know, getting back in touch with some mindfulness and well-being. So I'd love to touch on that a little bit throughout the episode today. But 
Would you mind for our dear listeners who have never come into your world, just give us a little quick backyard Barbie pitch, not the elevator pitch, but just a nice casual backyard Barbie pitch. Tell us who you are. Sure. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks for the opportunity. So my name is Lisa Brown. I'm the founder of Platinum Education Group. So like you, Chrissy, we have our beautiful podcast, um, Everything Early Childhood. And I guess that just speaks volumes. That's what we do is we help early learning services across Australia really simplify all of their systems and processes so that they can get back to what matters most, which is their people. Yeah. Um, And that's what it's all about, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. That's awesome. Such a clear message. You know, you're helping the educators and you know all the early learning professionals because they're the ones that help our children and so you know the knock-on effects are amazing how did you get into where you are now were you always in business were you did you have some time on the floor as an educator yourself what's your backstory so I'm an early childhood teacher myself so it comes from a really deep early childhood um I guess life story around um so I guess my inception story is that I was very like misunderstood. Um, So whether it was my school and I'm very different to both my parents. So growing up, I felt quite misunderstood. So um, I think, you know, the school system wasn't a good fit for me and I'm quite a creative person and I was just raring to get out in the world. (laughs) And um, so for me, it's all about helping. I wanted to be seen and heard and I didn't feel like that as a child. Mm -hmm. So growing up, I was, and, and obviously moving into early childhood, I finished school in um, year nine, so I didn't even finish year 10 or year 12 because I just, I knew it wasn't for me. I I saw what the school system was and it was really about just putting people in a box and isn't it unfortunately yeah yeah. and so for me I just wanted to get out in the big wide world make you know make money make memories make a good life and um, so I was really lucky like my mum had to go through a lot um, to let go because she was putting it back to her as a parent feeling like she was a failure if I didn't finish school yeah Um, So we went to counselling and psychologists and um, helped her to come to terms with that it it wasn't her life and it wasn't about her Mm. that she needed to let go and let me live my life. Mm. And I think it's hard for so many parents out there going through that, that to just have faith that they they will be okay, like your children will be okay. It's just a matter of them trying so many different things to really find out what they are passionate about. Mm. And my defining moment for me was um, reading a story with my niece and nephew and just seeing that beautiful light in their eyes, learning something for the first time. And I was hooked. So um, that was the beginning for me. And I went out and I got a traineeship and worked my way up. So working in rooms um, to IC, ed leader, um, director, I owned my own service for five years. Um, Mm. So we just sold that last year, but this is our bigger mission now to help more people um, in the sector. Oh, that's a fabulous mission to be on. I'm on a similar mission, um, you know, obviously to do with more of the music and mindset, but you know, I think some of those key elements that you've just brought up about um, everybody, we have, you know, as humans, we have this yearning to be heard and understood and validated for who we are. And it's certainly difficult for, um, it's certainly difficult, I think, for educators and parents and adults who've gone through life to see, to support that and guide that in children, because 
we tend to have that view that children are, well, they are vulnerable. Of course they are. They need our guidance. They need our mentorship. They need our love more and trust more than anything else. But sometimes there are young children who have such strong leadership skills, strong. You know, I have my eldest child is extremely strong-willed and has all these amazing leaderships, but it's, sometimes it's hard to take in a 10-year-old body because we want to, you know, support him and make sure he's making great choices. But um, that's a little bit off topic, but it does really come back to what, you know, the importance of being able to uh, create secure relationships with children, look to them as a human. Yes, they're younger than us on this earth journey, but who knows, they might have been here for thousands of years before this, you know, getting a little bit into the airy fairy woo-woo stuff. But yeah, it's it's a wonderful mission to be able to get those um, those things in early childhood because as we know, as our listeners know, that is where our most massive learning occurs, that, you know, those architectures of brain, um, yes. you know, all of those values and things. And it's, yeah, it's, it's quite, it's quite a special time, isn't it? Oh, it's the most crucial time, mm. those, those early yeah. years, those first five years, mm. where all of our beliefs, all of our values, and if we think even as adults, that's where we hold back and revert back to our stories mm-hmm. that we create in that narrative that we create in our mindsets. Yeah. So if we can really get those first five years right yeah. um, and help them to become beautiful, amazing, unique humans mm. that they are and let them yep. shine, yeah. because I think that's what the five first five years is, is really discovering who they are. Yeah. and. And, you know, as we grow up, we know that it just gets, um, I don't know, like hammered out of us a little yes. bit. So yep, we really, as we grow up, we want to make sure that that's something that's embedded and sustainable, that they've got that really solid foundation. Yeah. And it's creating that magic. And that's why we bang on about play being their yes. form of their work. Their, that, that's how they learn. That's because they haven't got um, many of the cognitive um, connections yet and those neural patterns to think abstractly or critically reflect on their own learning and things like that so they have to play they have to move their bodies their hands their they have to use all of their senses to to really make sense of the world and one thing you know you just mentioned about as we grow um, adults tend to get it hammered out of us and you know adults sort of look at play as being this frivolous thing but it's really important for for adults to have that playfulness. And we often, um, probably an easier way for adults to understand that is recreation. The word recreation seems a little bit less frivolous, yeah. but it is important. So when we're working with young children, it's so important to have for, for us adults to be in connection with that magical element of ourselves, isn't it? Oh, adults, yeah. children, all alike. Like yeah. it's that joy, isn't it? That joy, yeah. that, that sparkle. And I always encourage people to think back to their own childhood yes. and think yeah. about what memories come to mind from your childhood. And yeah. nine times out of 10, it'll be those magical play moments mm. where two, it'll be there's no adult interaction during yes. that time. And three, it'll commonly be outdoors. Yeah, yeah. And tell me then, how did all of this lead you to then starting up Platinum Education Group? And what's your role? What do you see your role or um, your capacity in that um, in that business? It's more yes. than a business, obviously, but. 
Yeah, well, it's grown and um, transformed over time. So owning my own, we mm. took over an underperforming service. Right. Um, okay. So five five years I've owned, I owned the service. And during that time, we, and you know, as a business owner, for any business owners out there and like yourself, Christy, you've got that overwhelming pressure on your shoulders to be able to pay your employees <laughs> and, yeah. you know, that pressure. So um, because it was underperforming, we had more educators than children at that point in time. Right. So coincidentally, I needed to find a second income. Yeah. And so that was going to my volunteer's job because I wasn't getting paid. Yeah. Um, but I needed to find something that I was getting paid to be able to have that peace of mind that I was going to obviously be able to make payroll. Yeah. And so it was by accident. And so I was doing both simultaneously. I had a really great friend who was a childcare broker. Mm -hmm. She had a beautiful client from Japan who has 15 centers. So I was lucky to go and visit there centers and be able to help them and support them to be able to bring their vision over to Australia. Right. So yeah, oh, that's wow. where I started. And I did both simultaneously ran the center, my center, my beautiful vision and yeah. um, obviously helped amazing providers. But I got to a point last year where I needed to make a decision around this is the first time in my life since July last year that I've only ever done one thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. This is interesting so, for you. Yeah, so massive learning, massive growth, but um, also an opportunity to really create the life and be mindful with how I was spending my time mm. rather than just being bogged down in that busyness and that, mm. you know, I call it that hamster wheel, like yeah. just go, go, go. <laughs> um, you know, are we busy or are we productive? Yes. And um, so this year has been really about me being intentional and purposeful with how I'm spending my time. Mm. That's a fantastic way to be. And I think this is really gaining traction. I mean, we see it in, the, you know, this idea of mindfulness and, and paying attention to our mindset. And um, this has been reflected in our national quality standards, our early years learning framework, all the updates, you know, really throughout the vision, throughout the practice principles and the learning outcomes, we're really honing in many things, Aboriginal, Torres Strait Islander cultures are definitely but this growth mindset, the well-being, the understanding that children learn that, you know, it's not just their, men, uh, their physical outcomes, their physical learning and their health and well-being that way. It's their mental. And potentially a lot of this has come, you know, from COVID. We, we don't know if that's really, a, it, it seems to be a huge player in, you know, everybody's mental state got quite a... Uh, um, uh, there was a real like a spotlight. Bit of a shake up. Yeah, yeah, a bit of a shake up. Mm, yeah. mm. But, but I think what I think what COVID did do, yeah, and I, I look at the advantages of that mm. time. And you know, for the introverts, like a lot of people actually say they love that time the most. Mm. Like they didn't have the pressures of having to commit to yeah. too many things. <laughs> yeah, right. So they didn't have the pressure to commit or overdo mm. or just you know be busy. Mm. They had you know they were able to stay home and other things. I think it's allowed us to have more flexibility. Like I've noticed a difference in people that they're so much more flexible after COVID mm. because they realized, and it was a lot of practicing with having to be flexible. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really key thing. I think you've just nailed it on the head there. The practicing of mm. being, I think when we think, well, any kind of learning, you know, any kind of learning takes practice, right? But if we're not, with children, for example, this is the wonderful thing when we have lots of opportunities to play, we also need lots of opportunities for them to practice the language of learning, the language of, um, of 
of paying attention to your mindset, which is not just what's happening in here. It's happening. What do you feel? What do you smell? What do you hear? Where is your body in space? So if we can start bringing a really holistic view of uh, what it means to be mindful, Yes, there's certainly yoga retreats and the well-being retreats that we've just both just been on separately. Mm. And those things are important, but when we're talking about, you know, making generational change and bringing it into our frameworks and our curriculums, it's very important to understand and unpack those tiny little elements of of what that, you know, what does it mean to have a growth mindset, you know? It yeah. just means like turn flipping the script, turning a a problem into an opportunity for creative thinking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, fail. You know, they say first attempt in learning. I love like that. that's it was, yeah. yes, right. Isn't that's right. what I go by. Like I spoke to someone yesterday, and she's like, "But what if I make a mistake?" And I'm like, "You're human. You will mm-hmm. make mistakes. Yeah. We all make yeah. mistakes." Yeah. But using those opportunities as moments of growth. Yeah, definitely. Um, tell me, this is kind of a segue, but I, something that actually when you and I very first connected, I'd been following you for a little while on social media and, you know, quite interested in the way that you spoke about things and your vision and, and the post that really, um, thought oh, I need to connect with this lady when you put up about, um, you loved playing the piano as a child and correct me if this is wrong, you had put up a post about, you know, you re found your love of piano and you wanted to learn as an adult and you know you had this memory of being told that you'd never be able to to be a piano player can you can you tell us a little bit about that Lisa yeah and I'll tell you where it came from actually like it came out of COVID Mm -hmm. um obviously finding an interest but also off over the last I would say about 10 years, Mm -hmm. I've realized how important it is to have different pieces. I call it a pie of life and it's important to have different pieces of your pie. So over the last couple of years, I've been exploring hobbies and growing up, as you said, I I, I always wanted to learn learn the piano and I was told, and that was the story and narrative I had playing in my mind that, you know, my fingers were too fat and too short. Um, You would never be able to play the piano. Um, And so I never did. I never tried. I never gave it a go. And um, my uncle actually had a piano at his house. Mm. And um, so we were over there for dinner and I was just tinkering around on the piano. And then um, he bought, he got me one. And Ah. and yeah. So isn't that so funny? Like, I wouldn't have ever got it for myself. Yes. Um, and he actually gifted me this beautiful oh. gift. Oh. And so I, I started playing and started learning. And um, as my husband started to see me spend more and more time on the piano, I he, he bought me a new piano. So I've got this beautiful um, oh. piano now. But wow. yeah, and like, but it, I was so amazed. And the post that you saw was about mm-hmm. the lessons that I've learned through that journey. Yes. And it's been incredible. Like it's, you don't know how, and I, and I struggle, right? Because everything I do, I like to be really good at it. Yes. And I am not good at the piano. Like I'm still a novice, like, but I'm getting better every, every day that I practice, right? Practice makes progress. Mm -hmm. And, but just some ironic things that I never really realized is that when you play the piano, you, sometimes you don't get it in that sitting. You have to Mm. step away, Mm. let your brain and your neural pathways um, actually, what process. is it called? Process. Well, just process it, yeah, yeah. and make the connections, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, Isn't and then when you come back, you get it. It's very yeah. odd. It's very yeah. strange. But the biggest lesson for me around learning the piano was that I wanted to be really good at it and I was doing it with the intention to be really good at it. Mm-hmm. But I realized, my, you know, my, my mom said to me, but you have to look at the reason that you're doing it and yeah. what you're getting out of it. Yeah. And the only reason that I'm doing it is because I, it makes, it's my mindfulness time. It's yeah. It's where my mind switches off. Mm-hmm. and it's all because I have to concentrate but it's weird you don't con- if you concentrate too much you get it wrong yep. so you have to have that um yeah it's been my word of the week actually like surrender you have to surrender yes. to the music yeah um and just know that you've got it like because if you think about it too hard it you play it's you get it wrong yeah isn't that interesting? And I, yeah, oh. being a musician myself and I see my husband at the moment, he's been learning banjo. And what you just said about if you're thinking about it too much, if, you know, there's certainly an element that you have to concentrate. Yeah. But once you've got those muscle memory patterns happening, so that's the bit where you have to concentrate, making sure you're hitting the right notes. And this is for any instrument, you know, making sure if you're a singer, hitting the right pitch, all that kind of stuff. Once you've got that muscle memory the executive, you know, the frontal part of your brain doesn't want to um, be the front runner anymore. The whole brain wants to have that chance to respond. Your limbic system, your emotions, your, you know, the coordination, everything wants, you know, nobody is a star of the show. Your whole brain wants to have the, uh, wants to have that experience. And that's why when you try and concentrate, you'll make mistakes because you're not allowing that surrender to the music. You're not trusting in some ways that your body can do it, you know. Oh, it's a wonderful Isn't thing. I'm so incredible. excited for you. <laughs> and you feel it, but you feel your whole brain yes. like working and coming yep. alive during that time. And isn't that the beautiful thing about music? Like just that yeah. it can invoke that emotion, that feeling. And um, I don't know about you, but even just that anchor, like some songs mm-hmm. just have that anchor. So every time you hear them, it actually takes you back to that moment. Yeah. There's some, oh my gosh, the research. And I don't know you and I will probably talk more about this in the <laughs> when I do your podcast, (laughs) but yeah, there's so much research coming out with all those different elements that we've just, you know, touched on, you know, the fact that music can help you boost mood, music can help you um, recapture memories or relive memories. If you think about people that are suffering from dementia or people that have had um, stroke or language delay or, you know, and are unable to speak, you play music or sing to them and get them to sing back to you and you're you're still activating those parts of your brain but you're just taking a detour um, and that is the wonderful thing about the brain it will allow the whole uh, sorry about music and the brain it allows you know a whole brain response and um, you do actually create new ne- neural connections you know we talk about um, we used to think our brains sort of stopped going around the age of eight well yeah, there's not a huge amount of growth. You know, our, our hugest amount of growth is those first five years up to about eight. But neuroscience used to think that after that, we're kind of like, oh, just you can't learn it and can't teach an old dog new tricks. Hmm. But we found, you know, with neuroplasticity and we're lifelong learners, we can, when we work to it and know how to engage it, we can create new neural pathways. And music offers that, you know, hmm. music is one of the pathways to offer that. Um, oh, do you, I think, mm. yeah, sorry, oh, go. 
Oh, I was going to say like, and that's why like before the first five years, we say children's brains are like sponges. Mm. They pick up things so, so quickly. So new languages, music, in like everything, they pick it up so quickly. Um, I think after six, it's it's more difficult. Like it's more challenging. Um, And like, even as an adult, I'm finding it so challenging. But um, you see, you see that progression and that progress. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Just coming back, because I know I wanted to talk to you today about um, the work that you're doing within Platinum Education Group. What's your, you know, how are you, how are you wanting, what do you see your mission to support directors, support early learning services? What do you see is the way that you can actually do that practically? What's your big thing? Yeah, so Going in to see them. Yeah, I mean, we do. We go and do visits and audits all the time. So that's one of our most popular services. Mm. But when we do that, we find that there's so many directors out there that are just feeling overwhelmed, struggling. Mm. Our biggest thing in our profession right now is that a lot of people don't even want to step up or have, you know, that admiration to even want to do that role Mm -hmm. or take on that extra responsibility because they see it as too hard. And one of the biggest things is that as as teachers, we step into these leadership roles, whether it's being a room leader or whether it's being a director of a service and mm. leading and managing your team, mm. is that they don't have the training or the capacity. Mm. We're trained as teachers. We're not trained as business owners or yeah. leaders. So, I mm. mean, you understand why they're struggling so much when they're put in these positions that they don't have the capacity, knowledge or training for. Mm. Um, yeah. And it's and we want people to feel like they're not alone. Yeah. Um, they've got that support and that help. And we want to see like one of my superpowers is just to bring out in people what they love and what they're good at and and yeah. obviously define, put all those pieces of the puzzle together. Yeah. And so what we're launching um, 2024, so we've just released um, obviously the ads and advertisements and expressions of interest. Yeah. But um, 2024, we're launching our Directors Academy So that will be a six-month program to actually bring directors on board and teach them how to do their role. Oh, fantastic. This is awesome because it's really practical and you've got all of that experience and skill sets yourself. You've, you know, if you you kind of think of it as a ladder, not that we're aiming just for the top, but, you know, you've climbed different elements of that ladder or taken different elements of that journey yourself. So, you know, firsthand what, what the challenges are, what, you know, what's possible. And I love that you've created this for, you know, to support other directors because, you know, this early childhood industry, it is so crucial, so crucial. You know, we need to have really supported, passionate people in these roles, in this industry. How do Such we... Such a tough gig. Yeah, <laughs> yes. isn't it? But so rewarding. Like the rewards mm. are really amazing. Oh, and we... Yeah. Like if you look at it, like we are the um, we're the the vortex almost in helping these children to succeed yeah. in the future. For yeah. and these are our future generations. Yeah. It's almost like if you're carrying a glass around, like you have to be so careful with obviously not dropping the glass and not breaking the glass. And mm. I believe that's what early childhood is all about. You know, really nurturing and bringing mm. out those beautiful and having all children feel seen, heard, valued. Yeah. Um. And I think in order for us to 
do that, we have to make sure that the directors who are at the top of the center, top down, yeah. um, have the time to be able to spend back with, you know, their people and the children where it counts. Yeah. And they're not feeling the overwhelm. So they're just yeah. doing the things that they need to do, you know, yeah. just the boxes that they've got to do. We want to create that space for them to go, oh, I'd love to do this just for the fun of it or just because I feel like it's going to be something that people will, it will boost their morale or, you know, boost, you know, and then the knock-on effects obviously with the children. So what's, can you tell me a little bit more about what the program actually entails? Is it, um, is, you know, is it like a one-on-one kind of thing? Are you expecting a a small group of What's, yeah. what's the vision? Yeah, so it will be a small intimate group, so of around 10 mm-hmm. um, people that we're taking through the academy. So mm-hmm. we're launching it early next year. And so what will happen is there's six modules. So we're doing one a month because we mm-hmm. understand the pressures of the sector and what they go through on a day-to-day yeah. basis. Yeah. So what it has is it's got an online component, but then we'll do a live workshop um, once a month as well to introduce that topic and really delve into it. Yeah. And then we'll We'll also have a Q&A. So we'll have a Q&A that's optional for people to log into with yeah. any questions on that unit. Um, yeah. And then all the resources and things to back them up and be able to put those systems and processes in place. And it will be unique to your service with what you des- yeah. what they design, yeah. but it will be able to support them to in that six months period to have all of their systems and processes set up, ready to go. That sounds fabulous. What a wonderful, um, what a wonderful way to really you know, look at all the different topics and different areas that directors do have to, um, you know, as part of their role. Is it just for long daycare services? Are you, you know, reaching out to family daycare providers? Is that a different, you know, I don't know too much about family daycare providers, to be honest, but here in Tassie, it's a huge thing. I don't know about in, in Sydney. Yeah, um, family daycare is all over. Um, I think for me, I specialised in long, like centre-based services. Mm. Um, so, however, we've got national law and national regulations, mm. which everyone needs to adhere to across Australia. So, um, and that includes long daycare, preschool and centre-based services. Mm. Um, so my experience and expertise does lie with centre-based services. Yeah, of course. And, yeah. and this is something like that I designed it thinking what I would have loved to have had mm. in place when when I first started, yes. um, you know, that instruction manual and guide and that real yeah. support at yeah. the beginning of my journey. Yeah, I think that's so important, isn't it? Because this is what motivates, this is what motivated you from the very get-go. You didn't feel supported at school as a young child because you, because you didn't. And that's, you know, there's no blame. There's no, it's just an observation, you know, you didn't feel supported. So you wanted to do something about it. You felt that calling and here you are as an adult, a grown woman with, you know, loads of experience and and a wonderful, you know, for those listening out here, I can see Lisa, you know, I'm looking at her. She just shines with brightness, shines, you know, you do have that superpower, I, I believe, to bring out the magic in people and, um, you know, if you're, if that's what your motivation is at the very base of everything, that intention to, to spread joy, spread knowledge and support, it can't go wrong. Do you know what I mean? Like there's mm. no, it has to be, it has to be a good thing. <laughs> oh, and you know, you know, my motivation is like, 
um, you know, because this year I've stepped, I, I have actively stepped out of my comfort zone yes, most days. <laughs> um, yes, because, you know, that's where the magic happens outside of your comfort zone. Yeah. But um, even in those moments, like doing training, getting up in front of more and more and more people, mm. um, I just had to keep reminding myself, which is the basis of this workshop as well and this um, academy, is mm. if I can help one person, mm. if I can just help that one person and yeah. in the crowd, in the audience, in the academy, yeah. like that's worth it. And yeah. of course, we're going to help more people along the way and on the journey. But if if we just focus in on that small detail and that small part, if only if it's one person, I'm okay with that. Mm. Yeah, because it starts with one person, doesn't it? Starts there. Yeah, and that's you know, and and your people that you're you know you're you're not so much on the floor anymore with with young children, but what you're doing is obviously going to benefit them. But um, you know, that's how we need to be thinking when we're working with young children as well. It's just one just start with one and the knock-on effect two three four and gradually you know if we're if we are leading from the heart if we're heart-centered if we're growth mindset you know thinking how can I do this differently or how can I reflect on on you know what's worked really well what hasn't worked all of those things will just naturally have a a positive knock-on effect yeah, and if I can share a story, actually, yeah, please um, do. when I had my, when I was at my service, we used to incorporate candle time and okay. candle time was an opportunity where we all came around in a circle yeah. and I'm a big believer in that what we need as humans. Um, where, you know, that mindfulness, that breath work, mm-hmm. that um, that moments to just pause and those moments of reflection that as educators or as people bring it into your whole life. Yes. So <laughs> during during that candle time process, we did it every day just before lunch mm-hmm. and we'd sit around and it took practice. We started with a fake candle until we moved to a real candle mm-hmm. and we'd light the candle. That would be our ritual, our ceremony. Um, We'd pass the candle around. Everyone would share. We'd have a question. All the children would share and reflect. Mm. We'd do our breathing. So, you know, we had our fingers up and we'd do, um, you know, smell the flowers, blow out the candles. Yeah. 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 And we'd take it in turns. And it was a really beautiful moment, not only just for the children, but for the educators in that space to really slow down. Mm. Um, And we needed it as much as they did. And the story that I have around the breathing is um, one of our children went home and she, the mother came in and she's like, I was so angry. I'm in the hallway and I'm yelling, yelling at her. And, and the child literally, she's like my child. She just stood there and she stopped and she said, mom, you need to do your breathing. <laughs> and so, so they stood in the hallway together and they just breathed together. And she was like amazed that her um, then four-year-old could actually stop her in the moment of going through these emotions oh. and reg- they, they co-regulated together, yeah. but the four-year-old prompted her. Yeah. Isn't that beautiful? This is the change. These are the changes that we need to be making. And the wind is just whipping around me right now. I hope it's not affecting the micro- microphone too much. I can't hear it on my the, end. Yeah. The, um, you know, I sometimes think about when I'm out in nature, you know, when the wind picks up, it's like it's communicating to me. And I just think if we're in tune and we're, um, you know, guiding our, our young people, our young children with these practical tools that's where generational change happens, isn't it? When they can bring that home and it makes so much meaning for them and they can see that their loved parent is in crisis moment. You know, my kids do that to me too and I'm so grateful. I think mm. all the times that we just used to play with breathing and play, you know, not specific, 
yes, I was intentionally teaching them, but they didn't know that, you know, my mm. own children. But now they do it. Oh, like, Mum, you need to take a breath. Okay, I can see you're really, really angry now, Mum, aren't you? And I'm like, oh, I do need to take a breath. Thank you. Yeah. You yes. know, it's what we we aren't the holders of every knowledge possible as adults just because we've been here longer than them. And, yes, often we are holders of a lot more knowledge, but sometimes our children can have insights that we don't even know about. And mm-hmm. who are we to take that opportunity away from them? Oh, and they're growing up in the information age. So all the information is at their fingertips. So don't, don't be, um, what's the word? I don't even know what word, but it's not a disadvantage that they have more information Mm. than us. They will become the master. Like they will overtake us, um, and really embrace that because the information that they have to share Mm. is just so beautiful. And I think that's the overall message is that Mm. they aren't children. Like they're little humans and it's about nurturing their, their minds, individuality and and creativity in order to, to help them to thrive. Yeah. Yeah, that really is, isn't it? Oh, so many things. Oh, when you said about the wind, actually, when yeah. I was in Italy, I went um to visit services in Italy and they go out to the forest yes. um, or they call it the bush, I think. Yeah. No, they don't call it bush. They call it forest. We yeah. call it bush here in Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, And they had this sign. I'll send you the quote. Mm. And it was obviously in Italian, but we translated it. And it was just in the middle of this forest. Yeah. Um, And it said, nature has so many has so much beautiful music if only we just stopped to listen. Yeah, that's so true, isn't it? Yeah. Actually, I'm sure it was a, I'll have to find this too and share it with you. It was a documentary years ago that I watched and it was based in Italy. It was um, a group of Italian, they might have been scientists themselves, but they were going out and putting little microphones and um, measuring I don't know how they did it, so I'm going to give you a quick overview. But basically they were measuring the frequency of the trees and the plants um, in these particular forests. And however they measure it, they then were able to use some kind of computer program to then translate it into what we would call musical sounds, what humans would listen to musical sounds. Amazing. I remember watching going, what the? This is so so fascinating and my best friend was in texas at a um a massive big business uh convention to do with artificial intelligence new sort of technology um and she sent me this uh pic of a of a stall that, not a stall but you know a stand that was showcasing how you can connect this particular app to a tree or to a plant and it will play its music for you Wow. Like, this is just mind-blowing stuff, completely random, you know, kind of connected to our conversation. But yes. I'll have to find more details of that because it's just like, you know, dogs can hear different um, sound frequencies, frequencies than humans. Yeah. So yeah. plants emit sound frequencies that we can't hear wow. with our human ears. But mm. when, you know, computer technology people can actually transform it into music, it's amazing. 
Absolutely. incredible. And yeah. and not to be a downer on that con- yeah. like that part, but yeah. I've seen a similar one and it was about um they did it in the forest and it was yeah. a forestscape soundscape. Right. And what was interesting is they did it over a 10-year period in this same forest. Oh. And um unfortunately yeah. deforestation, mm-hmm. the noise started to decline over over a period of time and that was really confronting yeah, because it was, it was it made it so clear and so obvious the impacts that we're having on the environment mm, yeah definitely and that's a real lesson to be learned as well just and you know linking it back to working with young people especially babies because often people will think oh babies you know they don't move they don't talk they don't know how to communicate you know there's no point in communicating with them or using music or using anything with them until they're older and they can speak to us that's you know they're absorbing everything around them just like the plants or you know they're absorbing all of that information so we need to be able to make sure that even though our human eyes and ears can't see learning happening we need to trust that it's happening and make sure that we're doing every doing what we're doing at all times of development particularly in early childhood though Oh, mm. babies have the most mm. growth. I think that mm. like, and mm. it's so clear. Like I think babies and toddlers, you when see you know even, what to look for. Yeah, developmentally you see that like stages and steps and that's where the most growth um, mm. occurs. Yeah. But um, yeah, no, giving them the opportunities, baby sign, like um, yeah. and just even cries. I did this course yeah. many years ago, but their different cries and the sounds of their cries indicate different things. Mm. And the mothers out there will know their baby's cries so yeah beautifully and so well but if you actually respond to their cries at a very young age I think it's before before six weeks Mm. or um I can't remember the exact range but if Mm. if we respond to their cries they will continue to make those sounds Mm. yeah it's quite amazing isn't it oh Mm. you just delve into all of the different research you'd be here for weeks talking about (laughs) it's so true it's so true we're both really passionate about what we do yeah we are Listen, Lisa, thank you so much for joining us. I'm going to put all of the um, the links to your directors. Tell me again what it's called so I use Just, your words. Yeah, so Directors Academy. Directors Academy. That's that's. Uh, can you join a wait list? Is it open now? Yeah, so or? Expressions of Interest okay. um, and then Ready to Launch next year. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful. So we'll make sure we put um, those links in, in the show notes. Is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners? Um, I don't know, any last words of wisdom or... I mean, look, we what we stand for here at Platinum Education, it was also my philosophy in my service is just to really make every moment count. Mm. So whatever you're doing, um, just, you know, keep that in the back of your mind. Like, am I making this moment really count? Mm. Because I think when we really stop and pause and take in those moments, that's when the memories happen. Yeah. And I think we're so... Um, it's so easy now to get caught up in that busyness that we're not taking as much time to stop and pause and really take in those beautiful moments. And glimmers has just been a a word that's popped up for me a lot over the past few months. And it's those times where, you know, you you notice the joy in your life or the joy in the world. So find those glimmers and make every moment count. Oh, wonderful. Beautiful parting words. Thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk with you and to hear the passion in your voice and, and know, you know, I, you know, I don't have a a center that I direct, but I 
would absolutely love your support and knowledge. You know, that would be so reassuring to have someone with your expertise and your passion, you know, cheering me on. So um, good luck with that. I, I know wonderful things will come from it. And, um, yeah, we look forward to hearing hearing more from you in the future. Oh, I'm really blessed to be yeah. able to have the opportunity to be part of this. Yeah. So thank yeah. you so much. And, yeah, yeah, I'm sure we'll stay in touch and, yeah. Um, yeah, see what's going on for both of us, support each other. Yeah, beautiful. All right. I well, appreciate you, the- you. Thank you. Thank you. You have the best day. We'll chat again soon. You too. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Bye for now. Thank you so much for tuning in today. This episode was brought to you by my signature course, Music and Mindset, the most comprehensive online course for early childhood educators and carers. You can check it out at moversandshakersmusic.com.au, remember the double O in movers, along with lots of other free resources to inspire you and boost your confidence and skills. If you loved this episode, please spread the joy. Share it with a friend, tag me on social media at moversandshakersmusic. And remember to download it and give it a rating because that really helps us to continue creating content that's relevant and useful for you and for many others. I'm Christy Russell and I'm here to help you understand why music and mindset matters. See you again soon.